From the studios of the Private Client Network in Midtown Manhattan, welcome to Luxury on Location. This dynamic new podcast features conversations with luxury realtor Kevin Snedden, founder of the Private Client Network at Compass, and his Private Client Network partners. In this, our very first episode, Kevin will be speaking with Stephen Shane, our Private Client Network partner in Aspen. It would take a very long time to cover all of the amazing attributes Stephen brings to the table, but here's a brief overview. Stephen is at the very top of the food chain in the luxury real estate brokerage industry, as he dominates in arguably the hottest and most upscale market there is. With $336 million in total sales volume in 2021, he was the number one ranked individual Compass agent, not only in Aspen, but in the entire state of Colorado. As Compass has over 26,000 agents nationwide, that's obviously a very big deal. As successful as Stephen is, what we admire about him most is his thoughtfulness and his professionalism. We are so very fortunate to have Stephen Shane as our very first guest on Luxury on Location. Hello, Stephen. Great to have you on Luxury on Location. I'd like to start with some background information. So perhaps you can summarize your professional background, how you got into real estate, what brought you to Aspen. Our listeners would love to hear. Okay. It's not that interesting, but uh, it is what it is. So I'm originally from New York and I was in a family business. Believe it or not, it was a retail boating supply business. So if you needed an anchor, we were were the people to take care of you. Uh, And it was a rough business, rough because I have a father and an uncle. And as much as they loved one another, they also absolutely hated one another. And I was always caught in the crosshairs uh, and it was brutal. So ultimately, I gave each of them a uh, ultimatum. And I said, and I had to do it separately because they wouldn't go in the same room with one another. And I said, either we sell the business, uh, I'll buy you out, I'll pay you not to come in, or uh, you guys can try running it, I'm done. And we ended up selling the business. This is in 1994. And I used to vacation in Aspen as a single guy. So I took a place in Aspen, uh, sight unseen. We sold the business in November. Actually, it was Halloween. I then ran the New York City Marathon. I moved here on or about the 15th of November. And I saw the prices of real estate. And I said, you know, this isn't difficult to figure out. So I started studying for my real estate license. On the aside, this was like the advent of snowboarding 1994. And a young fellow came to me, understood my retail background, asked me if I would be interested in operating, running, investing in a snowboard business. I had no money. Uh, I did have experience, but I knew another guy, smart guy, put himself through Harvard playing lacrosse. And next thing you know, I had six snowboard stores throughout Colorado, Keystone, Copper, Boulder, Denver, Vail. Last one was Aspen. And my then girlfriend, ultimately wife, said, you know, you make more money doing a real estate deal than you do traveling around the state with these snowboard stores. Why don't you focus on real estate? So I ended up, 
uh, either closing or selling these marginally successful snowboard stores and focusing specifically on real estate. And that's really was the beginning of my career. That's amazing. That's, uh, I think your wife is a very smart person. <laughs> and I think you got, I won't give you an argument. Yeah. And no, I think you got some good training with your dad and your uncle as well in terms of dealing with buyers and sellers. Good point. So, how long did it take to establish yourself in the Espen market? I imagine it's quite competitive. So, it's interesting. Um, there currently are, you know, 850 real estate brokers or thereabouts in the valley. Um, the old story is if you get pulled over by the police, they ask for your real estate license because not everybody has a driver's license. Um, but really what catapulted my career, um, the Crown family, which is this fantastic, elegant family, own um, Aspen Skiing Company. Uh, the matriarch and patriarch are in their 90s, live in Chicago, terrific, terrific people. And there's seven children. Um, one evening, Claire, my wife and I had dinner with Susan Crown. And I was dropping her off after dinner at her house. And I knew that she was building a home. And I said, and, and believe me, you got to get uncomfortable. And I just, it took all my courage because it's very hard to uh, combine business and pleasure, I find. And that's really what our industry is all about. And I said, look, I know that you're you know, building a home in Owl Creek and it's going to be magnificent. Aren't you going to sell this? And she said, of course. And I said, can I sell it for you? And she said, do you think you can? I said, I know I can. And that was the real first opportunity that kind of catapulted my career, uh, listing and selling Susan Crown's home. So after that, I, I guess established credibility and uh, always believed in reinvesting in myself and in my company and would take, you know, X amount of the proceeds of any sale and always put that into marketing and advertising and building my brand. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story because number one, you put yourself in an uncomfortable position. And when you get into sales, you sort of have to you know, go for it. And number two, you, you demonstrated uh, confidence, right? You, you, know, uh, you, have to, you have to be a confident. Who wants to do business with someone who's not confident? You know? And then number three, you, used, you took a personal relationship, transitioned it into a business relationship, and used that to establish yourself in the real estate market. And that continues, as you know, and I know. Um, we are continuously interacting with people and we need to be top of mind. And we walk a fine line in self-promotion. Um, hey, at this point in time, my numbers speak for themselves. But I'm interacting and dealing with the most successful people in the country, in the world. Um, they didn't reach their level of success uh, by being anyone's fool. So you have to come from a position of strength, and that position of strength can only come with a position of knowledge. You have to be knowledgeable about what you're speaking to, and then you are interacting with people um, who have 
high expectations and you need to perform. Yeah, I, I think like the first rule for me is if I, if I walk into a room and I'm dealing with a client who's, you know, a captain of the universe, I establish the fact that I'm the real estate person in the room, right? They might be smart in the financial markets or technology or what have you, but you're the real estate person and you have to establish that position to gain the respect of that client. That's exactly right. And, you know, I have a lot of billionaire clients. Uh, and as you said, I would say it used to be finance first and tech second, or actually tech third. It kind of went finance, commercial real estate, and tech. Uh, it's probably now tech, finance, commercial real estate. And again, these are highly successful people, and you need to be able to provide them a level of service. They don't want to be in real estate. Well, maybe they do, but I doubt it. They're highly successful in whatever they're doing. You need to be able to provide them with the information necessary for them to make uh, enthusiastic decisions, clear visioned decisions. Uh, that's our responsibility. No, I agree. There's with the, you know, the advent of the internet and all the consolidators out there and the real estate listing side of things, the consumer has all the information, but they don't necessarily know how to synthesize it or translate it or make it actionable for them. And they rely on good realtors such as yourself and, and myself to give them the critical guidance that they need, you know, to make the right decision. And there's nuances. So as an example, the West End of Aspen. Um, let's say outliers aside, there's three uh, neighborhoods in Aspen that demand or command uh, the greatest pricing per square foot. They would be the Central Core, the West End, and Red Mountain, all in close proximity to downtown. Obviously, the Central Core is downtown. Uh, but if you go into, as an example, the West End, you know, you can run every report you want, but unless you have a knowledgeable broker who understands the nuances between which roads are pedestrian and cycling only, so there's no traffic, or which area is on Hallam Lake, or where you can get a bigger lot than the general 4,500, 6,000, 9,000 square foot lots, you know, you can run, you can read these reports, but unless you've got somebody who's talking you through it and saying, this is why it's more valuable, or this is why it's less valuable, you, you're back to square one. We, we have a service that we need to provide, and uh, you got to live and breathe this to be able to provide it well. Agreed. No, and that's a great point. And, and as we transition now to speak about the market can you give our listeners, you know, a, a broad overview of the Aspen real estate market? Okay, listeners, you're going to hear this from every interview that takes place between <laughs> now and the next X amount of months because it's consistent in every luxury market. We have no inventory. It is brutal. Why? Well, it started with COVID. So what happened is the floodgates opened in, I'm going to say, May, maybe June. And we have people who come here and rent homes um, for the summer. 
and rent a home for the month of July, the month of August, or both. In addition, what happened was the perfect storm. So we had the renters coming, and those renters are coming from Houston, Dallas, Austin, Los Angeles, San Francisco, all of Florida, New York, Chicago, and renting at a big price each month. And they have been on the sidelines. They haven't pulled the trigger. That's why they're renting. And all of a sudden, I think that these people who have been on the sidelines had understood COVID and have kind of looked at more, you know, a certain level of mortality. Like, what am I waiting for? So these guys jumped into the fray. I said perfect storm. At the same time, all of these people from these densely populated major metropolitan cities understood that they can work, or a lot of them could work from anywhere. So why not be in their favorite place? So now we have the renters who have been on the sidelines and these people and families moving here from densely populated major metropolitan cities. And I am saying in the year before COVID, our sales in Aspen with a whopping community of 7,000 people were a billion dollars. In 2020, the sales increased to 2.5 billion dollars from a billion. That's a hearty increase. 2021, 2.6 billion. And again, inventory dwindling. So right now, there are three or four brokers, myself included, who do the great majority of the business here. And at any point in time, let's say cumulatively, we would have 120 listings between the four of us. I think we're hard pressed right now to have 20. There is just limited inventory. So what's happening? It's these simple laws of supply and demand. The demand is much greater than the supply. So I am knocking on doors, both literally and figuratively. And I explain to homeowners, previous clients, look, lifestyle aside, okay, I can't speak to your lifestyle, by the way, you bought here, I'm an enthusiastic representative of this community. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that your home is worth significantly more today than it was three years ago. There are some people who are willing to cash out. And, you know, very often the answer is, where am I going? So that's kind of the overview of what's going on in the Aspen real estate market. That's tremendous. It's really unbelievable, Stephen. And in terms of framing the market, in 2021, what was the high sale on the market and, and what's the average sale price? So the average sale last year was $6.7 million. That is 21.27 per square foot. The high sale was 72.5 million for a home on Willoughby Way. Willoughby Way is lower Red Mountain, so you don't have to climb, but you still receive these dramatic views. Once again, you're hearing 
these numbers in a community of 7,000 people. So it is pretty miraculous. It's incredible. It really is. So what would you say in 2022, given that demand is far outpacing supply, I can only assume that the average sale price is going to skyrocket this year. So what do you think about that? As you can well imagine, the average sale price is going to increase significantly. What I'm seeing is I'll represent a buyer and the buyer will buy in this market. And we have a finite amount of inventory in Aspen. If you go to South Florida and there's a development on a golf course and it's new, there can be another development a mile or two miles down the road the following year. We don't have that here. We have X amount of developable square footage, acreage. And the fact of the matter is, you probably have to tear homes down and build from the ground up. The people that live here have the financial wherewithal to sell when they want to sell. They're not forced to sell. It's just a different dynamic than most places. So what will happen is I will represent a buyer. They're interested in a property and they will step up in this market and pay you know, a kind of premium, if you will, certainly greater than they would have thought, but it's the only game in town. That's the house they want, and they have the wherewithal to do it, and they do it, and I swallow hard, and we buy that property. And then two weeks later, three weeks later, a month later, I get a call. So that buyer validated that price. They validated the price of that property because they bought it. So they've established a new baseline per square foot for that neighborhood, for that house, for this region. And somebody will say, what would it take to buy it from your buyer? It's happened often here. I know it happens in Palm Beach. Um, So the reality is, as as you so adeptly stated, the prices are going to go up per square foot. So we will do less transactions in 2022, but we'll see where the dollar volume shakes out because of the increased pricing per square foot. That's great, Stephen. Uh, So understanding the market dynamics at play in Aspen, now we'd like to delve into your business. Can you take us through how your team is set up, how you operate, how you differentiate yourself? Just take us through sort of how you run your business. So obviously, I have a strong hold on the luxury sector. That is really my wheelhouse. Although I love working with buyers who want to get in the game. And I will help somebody with a $1.5 million condo and and my team will commit as much as we would with a $75 million or $50 million or $35 million estate. It doesn't make a difference. As a matter of fact, that $1.5 million could make up a greater percentage of that buyer's net worth than a $25 million purchase for a billionaire. So they get our full attention. But yes, the luxury sector is certainly my wheelhouse. 
the way I differentiate myself, it's kind of inherent, Kevin. I mean, as you heard, I'm a business person who then chose real estate as a career. So I think that my business acumen helps significantly in negotiating, dealing with high net worth people who are also in business, and I can relate and understand their perspective. So I have a voice. A lot of brokers here, if they're not comfortable with their clients, for whatever reason, don't have a voice and they acquiesce. You know, you're doing your client a disservice if you are just nodding with everything that they have to say. We are here to provide a service. Our service is being educated to the market. And if there is an unfounded statement made by either a buyer or a seller I represent, I bring it to their attention. That's important. That's our job. Otherwise, what do we have to offer? You know, anybody can open up doors, turn on lights, turn off lights. It's more than that. Um, you've got to be willing to speak intelligently and with confidence and, and knowledge to all of your clients, both buyers and sellers. Yeah, I agree. And, and a lot of people listening to this podcast will be real estate agents. And I think what sets apart you know, the top X percent from the rest is influence management. You have to be able to influence your clients to make smart decisions, but also to know when it's time to make a decision or what the price is, what's the strike price and how do you get something done? And, and the smart clients really look to these top agents to really influence the entire situation. And it's a collaborative process. You know, very often you've got a husband and a wife. You know, you have a family. Um, the most difficult people really are people in finance because the buyers in finance have a difficult time separating lifestyle from economics. And this is a blended investment. It's really hard to ski on shares of Apple. It's really difficult to cycle up a Damien Hurst painting. Those are great things, but I am telling you the joy that we can provide, the legacy, a family property for years to come, for families, generations to gather. You know, there is value to that that is different than a balance sheet. And that has to be understood. I will tell my buyers that I will not allow you to overpay. Let's find what you like, talk about it, and then we can discuss price, what makes sense and what doesn't. But let's start with price. The days of I'm looking for, if I get a call and somebody says I'm looking for a deal, I mean, the answer is good luck. You know what a deal here is right now? Being able to buy what you like because the, the inventory is so limited. So I consider myself, look, all successful real estate brokers, all successful people in every industry are probably competitive people. You don't reach the pinnacle of success in your specific industry without having some strain of competitiveness. That being said, 
I'd like to consider myself elegantly aggressive. I like that. And uh, I share that with my team. That's a, um, that's a great way to put it, Stephen. So I continue to invest in myself and in my clients. If I have a listing, nobody's going to outspend me in marketing and advertising. And I will put my level of creativity against anybody's. I have built the best support team in the industry. And you know them, okay? They are remarkable. Uh, Carla Beth Spence and Tatiana Ceresa are as good as anybody in this industry. Obviously, they're both brokers, but they are supporting my business. Um, and I mean, contractually, showing property, the representation of the brand, <laughs> they're much younger than I am. Their memories are remarkable. Their real estate knowledge, they're the best. I could not be here without them. Um, and I think that's really important for every real estate broker to understand. You've got to surround yourself with quality. It is imperative to your success. So it's really teamwork. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. And I actually have a few of my team members sitting with me at this time. And I always say, you know, you need to surround yourself with the best people and run your team like you don't want anyone to ever want to leave your team and just increase your quality, your level of service going forward every day, every week, every month, every year. And the clients will keep coming back. I think um, talking about your business and you, what, what you said there was very interesting to me in terms of people buy into a lifestyle you know, in a market like Aspen. And speaking of lifestyle, so now we're going to get to the fun part of this conversation. Can you take us through like a perfect day in the life in Aspen? <laughs> you know, the people who live here full time took a leap of faith. More often than not, this is a place that they used to vacation. And then they decided that, hey, I'm willing to leave my family. I don't mean their immediate family. I mean family, friends, where I grew up, my comfort, my support. And I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to come to a place that absolutely resonates with anything and everything I am. And that is what most people who have moved here have done. So there is a commonality. That commonality is a passion for the outdoors and a quality of life. And it's like self-perpetuating. In other words, as the people come here and they are coming from a place of culture or they're coming from a place of business or they're coming from a place of great education, great arts, great music, you know, those same people that are now here are looking for that. They're demanding. So what happens and what separates Aspen from all of the other ski communities is the additional elements above and beyond skiing, the restaurants, the culture, the schools, cycling, all of the elements that were important to people from where they were coming from need to step up their game here and do. 
It's remarkable. And that's really, look, you can go, and I'm not coming down on any of these places, believe me, okay? You can go to Sun Valley, you can go to Telluride, you can go to Yellowstone, you can go to Utah. The skiing there, Vail, the skiing there can be as good, if not better, than Aspen. That's fine. But they, these other places don't have the periphery, these other elements that we bring to the table. So when you ask, what's a perfect day? You know, I work traditionally. So I work every day, Monday through Friday. And then, of course, we have showings on Saturdays and Sundays. So it's a seven day a week business, but I don't mind. And I've got this design now where I get up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and I am returning emails, running reports that I wasn't able to get to the day before. So that's my start. Then I exercise. Depending on the time of the year, the exercise can be the Peloton bike, running outside, or working out with a trainer at the gym, or swimming. Uh, Really important to me. It has my endorphins kick in, and then I'm ready to start the day. I end up at the office at around nine and work most often eating lunch at our desk in between uh, showings. But again, as much as I collaborate with my clients, I collaborate with my team, my support, and we go. As an example, on Mondays, I have prepared a list of action items. And that list probably will have 25, 30, 35 items on it. Some of them are time sensitive, others may not be. And they can include anything from where we stand on a particular contract, how the deal is tracking to what do you guys feel would be an appropriate property for buyer A, buyer B, buyer C. And we run through this and it really sets us up for the week. So every day we have these action items that we are addressing. And of course, other things take place. And of course, there will be showing requests and there will be, you know, allowing a surveyor to a property or an inspector or anything and everything that we're running in and out of the office. So when you say what's a perfect day like, depending on the time of the year, the perfect day would probably for me take place on a weekend in the winter. It would be exercise early in the morning and then head to the mountain. I used to ski with my daughter Tatum, who now lives in New York, is just about 22 years old. So I don't ski with her, but I have a 12-year-old Remy and I will ski with her or some friends and then have lunch on the mountain. My wife will join me, Claire, on occasion. She'll ski or meet me for lunch. And On those evenings, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, out to dinner with friends and clients. The difference, I guess, is in the summer, we will just uh, replace skiing with cycling. I love to cycle. And there's great cycling here. So I think it's really difficult, unfortunately, to find that perfect blend of work and lifestyle, uh, work and play. I think I'm more 
work-oriented than play-oriented, but I still love doing real estate deals. That really just gets me fired up. And uh, quite honestly, I'd rather do one more real estate deal than go powder skiing. I just love it. I, I love I love the thrill of the chase. I love putting it under contract. And I love when the buyer and the seller are happy. Same. That's, uh, that's really amazing, Stephen. Um, you want me to I want to run right out now and broker another deal this afternoon because I, I feel the same way. We, we just get the business feeds you. It just energizes you. The deal, the deal making it on so many levels, you know, there's a personal satisfaction for getting someone a home they really want for, you know, seeing your team elevate their game, just closing business. There's just something it's so thrilling for us, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, here, it's a little bit different. We are still a resort community. We probably are delivering something that these buyers are passionate about. And when they become a part of the community and live the other elements of the community above and beyond skiing or snowboarding or hiking or biking, you know, the other things that we have built here that we have to offer. And then you run into these people and they thank you and they couldn't be happier. I'll tell you, it's tough to buy a home here, but it's much tougher to leave. Yeah. And I think at this level, I mean, you know, a lot of people moonlight in this business, people come from all walks of life and at some point want to sell real estate, but the people that really do it at the highest levels, it really becomes who you are as a person. Yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, I think there's four of us that are probably responsible for 15% of the business annually. Yeah. There's people who want to do a deal because it's a great payday. So they have their broker's license, but with a commitment to your trade. And by the way, it doesn't make a difference whatever you do. There's always the best ski instructor. There's also always, you know, a great actor. Um, there's the top of the field or the top of the industries in finance and technology and manufacturing. Whatever it is, it doesn't happen by accident. It's a commitment by that person, but also they're smart enough to surround themselves with the type of support that will allow them to succeed for years. And, you know, that's probably the single greatest thing that I've done. It's really difficult to establish that sphere of influence. I mean, at this point in time in my career, the great majority of the business I receive is referral business, whether it's referrals from other Compass brokers across the country, but even more so referrals from past clients in Aspen saying, you need to work with Stephen and Shane. I wouldn't trust my real estate to anyone else. And it's really, you know, yes, it's my name, but that level of confidence of those buyers and those sellers wouldn't be there if it weren't for my support team. Yeah, I think um, the most successful realtors out there, they build trust with their clients and with their team and their colleagues whether it's another broker on the other side of the table, et cetera, if people trust you and respect your work ethic and how you run your business, they're going to want to do business with you. Agreed. Wow. This has really been an incredible conversation, Stephen. And I'm so glad you're in the private client network. 
because, you know, I get inspired myself just talking to you and as we all do and we get together monthly on our, our Zoom calls and as we're going to get together in Chicago in May. But we, we have a really tremendous network here of professionals who do it right. And it's just great. I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> so with that, if there's anything else you want to leave with our listeners um, before we sign off, we'd love to hear it. You know, you're right. The private client network is a great network of true professionals in every major market across the country. I thank you, Kevin, and your team for assembling this group of professionals. It makes it easy to refer business. Any buyers and sellers who end up on this podcast or listening to this podcast, trust a good professional whether it's a private client network professional, real estate professional, or otherwise. These people understand the business and are here to support you. And if there are any brokers listening, I think it's really important that you establish yourself as a real estate professional in your community. That needs to be your identity. When you walk into a room, into a restaurant. It can't be, oh, isn't that that bartender? I think he has a real estate license. Isn't that the ski instructor? Does he also have a real estate license? You have to separate yourself and be the real estate professional. When I walk into a room, when people meet me, they say, oh, you're Stephen Shane. You're that Compass real estate broker. That lets me know that what I'm doing is effective. We need to stay top of mind. Buyers and sellers have many options and we want to be top of mind. We want to be the option that they go to when they're ready to buy and when they're ready to sell. The door is open and then we perform. That's right. I call it option A. (laughs) (laughs) That was really tremendous. It was very inspirational and I couldn't think of a better person to have on our first episode of Luxury on Location. So thank you again, Stephen. It was a great conversation. I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it and uh, I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thanks, Kevin. A sincere thank you to Stephen Shane for being our featured guest on our very first episode of Luxury on Location. This was an incredible conversation, which we sincerely hope our listeners enjoyed. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. We understand there are a multitude of podcasts out there, so we appreciate that you chose Luxury on Location for your listening pleasure. We hope to see you back for episode two, when Kevin will be speaking with another one of our private client network partners and discussing their dynamic real estate market. In the meantime, please check out the private client network at Compass, your nationwide resource for luxury real estate. We operate in virtually every luxury real estate market in the country. You can find us at theprivateclientnetwork.com or on Instagram at privateclientnetwork. Until next time. We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Luxury on Location. Experience luxury vehicles like never before. Are you tired of being locked into leases? Join Motor Envy. No commitment, no maintenance, no headaches. All drive. Visit MotorEnvy.com forward slash LOL to receive your exclusive access, courtesy of Luxury on Location.
Greenwich International Film Festival is an all-female-founded, nonprofit organization that harnesses the power of film to serve the greater good by bringing to attention important issues related to basic human rights, education, the environment, and healthcare. GIF offers films, panels, and special events throughout the year, including the prestigious Changemaker Gala, which will take place May 25, 2022, and will honor Lin-Manuel Miranda for his work with the Miranda Family Fund. To learn more about GIF, our events, and membership opportunities, please visit www.greenwichfilm.org.